great news. For a limited time, you can get one month free of Spectrum Mobile service. That's right, one month free with any new line. This exclusive offer is only available at select Spectrum stores. So stop by today. Our team of mobile experts are ready to help you switch and save hundreds on your mobile bill. Don't miss out on this incredible offer. Come see us at Market at Hilliard, Taylor Square, and Waterloo Crossing. Spectrum Internet and auto pay required. Restrictions apply. Visit store for details. The Exxon Radio Show is heard on radio broadcast affiliates worldwide, including AM 580 CFRA in Ottawa, Ontario, Canada. WPUL AM 1590 in Daytona Beach, Florida. KUHI AM 1610 in St. Helens, Oregon. KHRO AM 1150 in El Paso, Texas. And for more information on becoming a professional broadcast affiliate of the Exxon Radio Show, visit www.xzbn.net or call toll-free worldwide 1-800-610-7035. The Exxon Radio and TV show is largely an opinion talk show. All opinions, comments, or statements of fact expressed by Rob McConnell's guests are strictly their own and are not to be construed as those of the Exxon Radio and TV show or in any manner endorsed by Rob McConnell, Relmar McConnell Media Company, Talkstar Radio Network, its affiliated stations, or employees. All Hit Radio. Welcome to the X-Zone, a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell. Welcome to the Exxon, everyone. My name is Rob McConnell, and for the next four hours, I'm your host and your guide as together we cross the time-space continuum to this place that I call the Exxon. It's a place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard. It's a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. The Exxon is broadcast weekly. I should say daily, seven days a week, here on the Talkstar Radio Network, Exxon Broadcast Network, High Definition Radio UK, Euro High Definition Radio, and on Star Cable. Toll-free worldwide, 1-800-610-7035. Email exxon at exxonradiotv.com. On MSN Messenger, exxonradiotv at hotmail.com. And our website, www.exxonradiotv.com. My first guest tonight, Exxon Nation, is Marie D. Jones. We're going to be talking to Marie about her new book, The 
Deja Vu Enigma. Now, a new book by our special guest this hour, Marie Dean Jones, and a paranormal researcher, Larry Flaxman, lays out intriguing new theories about the phenomenon of deja vu, a feeling that all of us have experienced throughout our lives. The deja vu enigma, a journey through the anomalies of mind, memory, and time, explores the eerie yet hmm, common sensation of remembering a sensation or an experience that uh, never occurred. The Deja Vu Enigma is, uh, dives into scientific research as it relates to short-term memory, misfires, neurophysiological disorders, and theories suggesting the paranormal, such as a glimpse into parallel realities. Joining me now is Marie D. Jones. Hey, Marie, welcome back to the X-Zone. Hi, it's nice to be back. Why did you decide to write with Larry a book on Deja Vu? Oh, my gosh. Well, as you know, we do a lot of paranormal research, Mm -hmm. and interestingly, deja vu is the most common and widely reported quote-unquote paranormal phenomenon that there is. I mean, everybody has had deja vu all over the world. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it surpasses class and gender, and it's an experience that everybody can relate to, yet I think we've trivialized it and made it into something that's not important when, in fact, it is one of the most widely researched in the scientific community uh, paranormal phenomenon that there is. What does the scientific community say about deja vu? The vast majority of the research that's going on, of course, focuses on memory, because Mm -hmm. it appears that deja vu is a memory glitch. When you have deja vu, what you're basically having, and this sounds completely impossible, Um, But you're having a memory of an event that's occurring for the first time. So you're having a a memory of an event happening in the now, and Mm -hmm. that's impossible. So their research is focused on two things. One, what part of the brain is associated with stimulating deja vu experiences? And two, is this a memory glitch? Or is it something else? All right, listen, you and I have to take a commercial break. Please stand by. Marie D. Jones is my special guest. www.mariedjones.com is her website, and we'll be back on the other side of this commercial break with the news as the Exxon continues right here from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Don't go away. Nation, Ray D. Jones is our special guest. She is the author, along with Larry Flaxman, of the Deja Vu Enigma. 
I journey through the anomaly, anomalies of mind, memory, and time. www.mariedjones.com. All right, Marie, so the scientific explanation seems to be an oxymoron. How can you have memory recall of an event that hasn't happened yet? Exactly. Well, there's a couple of different theories, one of which has been disproven, and that was that perhaps mm -hmm. one eye takes in a, a perception um, like a fraction of a fraction of a second before the other eye, and therefore you have sort of a double memory reaction. The problem is, though, is they did experiments with people who were blind in one eye, and they were still able to have deja vu. Um, so basically, the scientific community wants to focus on the brain. Um, there's this ongoing debate that's we've been going on for hundreds of years over mm -hmm. whether or not the mind and the brain are the same thing or two separate entities and whether upon the death of the brain the mind can continue. And this plays into deja vu because if this is a phenomenon of the brain, then we should be able to give it an explanation that has the brain involved. In other words, it's a memory issue. It's, but if you should, it's a yeah. phenomenon of the mind, that kind of takes it way out there, and it could be anything. All right, what are the potential connections between deja vu and, let's say, parallel universes, alternative dimensions, and other realities, then? This is where it gets interesting. If this is something that is not necessarily just a, a neural misfire mm -hmm. in the brain, uh, and again, involving the mind and maybe consciousness, what deja vu feels like, and I know this has happened to me because I have extended deja vu, and so I'm kind of able to sink into the experience and get a feel for what's happening. Well, what deja vu could be, and this is a theory, this is not scientific okay. fact, is our getting a glimpse of ourselves in a parallel universe, doing the exact same thing, wearing the exact same clothing, with the exact same people involved, having the exact same conversation, until at a certain point, something in that other universe changes and breaks off and it ends the experience. And this kind of plays into the many worlds theory of Hugh Everett, the physicist, mm -hmm. who said that every time we make a choice, that the choice that we didn't make breaks off into a whole other universe. And, I mean, you can imagine how many universes must be out there if each of us are doing that. And again, this is theory, but the idea is if we do exist in an infinite number of other universes, there's got to be one where we're doing the exact same thing for just a little while. All right, and but that could be. It's a nice theory, but is there any evidence to support a substan or to substantiate the the theory? No, unfortunately, it's all subjective. In other mm. words, it's people really having these experiences in such an intense fashion that they feel like they are in two places at once, and that's the problem. Is that how do you prove? The interesting thing, though, is that parallel universes, that whole theory is starting to be more accepted in the field of quantum and theoretical physics. So this theory is kind of playing on the back of that theory. If that turns out to be true, then we might extrapolate that to other things like deja vu or uh, lucid dreaming mm -hmm. or precognition. All kinds of paranormal things might finally be explained if we can prove there are parallel universes and that we exist in some of them. But right now, it's just another way to look at a phenomenon that science, even with all the research they're doing, mm -hmm. they still haven't been able to actually pinpoint 
what deja vu is. All right, with all the suppositions going on about what deja vu may be, what it may not be, why is deja vu so important to researchers like yourself? First of all, we don't understand. Paranormal researchers, we're looking outside at all these different phenomena. The problem is the human mind is probably the greatest mystery mm-hmm. that we have. Uh, I call it, you know, the inner universe, the last final frontier. Our minds are absolutely amazing and still such a mystery. We don't yet understand fully how memory works. We don't understand how memory is stored in the brain. There appear to be so many different ways that that can be happening. Originally, people thought memory was stored in very particular parts of the brain. But when those parts were damaged in certain experiments, um, people were still able to recall certain information. We've got the holographic brain theory, the idea that memory and information is being projected from somewhere else into the brain, and the brain is acting as a receiver of information rather than a transmitter. So when we wrote the book, we started out with something as simple as deja vu, but that's only one chapter. Mm -hmm. We then ended up exploring every mystery of the mind we could think of. Okay. Are you still there? Yeah. Oh, okay. I, I, you just kind of dropped off there for a second. Oh, that's yeah. weird. All right. So, what other what other aspects of uh, let me see anomalies of the mind, memory, and time do you discuss in your new book, The Deja Vu Enigma? Well, we start with deja vu, and then we get into some of the abnormal things that the mind tends to do. We talk about things like amnesia, fugues, mm-hmm. blackouts. In altered states of consciousness, and then we get into the power of the human mind, the power of thought, mm-hmm. the power of belief, which was my favorite chapter, the idea that what we believe can either kill us or cure us, uh, and then we get into things like dreams, our dreams, you know, there's so many different theories about what dreams may be, So, and time, how we perceive time as linear, when in fact it really is not, and we get into perception, the, the mind, again, is just such an amazing mystery. And we started with deja vu as sort of a springboard because, again, that's a common experience that everybody has where they say, oh, wow, you know, what's going on here? There's more to life than meets the eye here. Is there more to life than meets the eye, or, or is it wishful thinking that there's more to life and that the paranormal is actually nothing but a, a figment of our imaginations? That's an absolute possibility, and and a lot of that comes down to perception. Mm -hmm. The brain perceives only a certain amount of information that comes at it, you could say, and it takes those perceptions and it creates reality. But doesn't the mind also accept only what the person wants to believe? For example, if I don't believe in the paranormal, then nothing paranormal is likely to happen to me, and yet if somebody else is totally enveloped in the paranormal, then they will either have real paranormal experiences or their mind will create these paranormal uh, occurrences. I think that, that that's absolutely true in some cases, but for example, me, I mean, I'm immersed in the paranormal field, but mm-hmm. no matter how many times I want to have an experience, I can't force it. So there seems to be something else 
at play here. All right. So is I that we, is is that why you write your books? Because you actually cannot have the experience, <laughs> so you you satisfy your your quest by writing? No. Well, I've had experiences, but they're few and far between, and they yet they've affected me so mm-hmm. deeply that I'm on this quest to figure out: Okay, am I doing this? Am I putting this stuff out there? Or is there something exterior happening to me? Or maybe a combination of the two. Or maybe there is a very simple explanation that it doesn't exist. Yeah, there could be, but there yeah. could also be the simple explanation that it does exist. All right, if, if, it does, if, it does, <laughs> if it does exist, how come everyone in the world doesn't have the experiences? My thought on that is that, well, like you said, it could be belief. Now, a lot of our beliefs are trapped in our subconscious, so we may think that we believe in something, and yet on a subconscious level, we're blocking out those uh, perceptions and experiences that will allow us to have a paranormal mm-hmm. event. Um, but at the same time, my feeling is that there are places where the veil between worlds are thin, and not everybody has the ability to maybe consciously make that cross all right but between you're making you're, but what you're doing here is you're making the assumption that there are other worlds i think there are based personally, on what? but scientifically there's no proof of that all right, um, personally what, i i feel like that's a really good simple explanation for a lot of the stuff that we can't explain but again it's not there's no scientific basis mm-hmm. for that except for some of these theories that are coming up through the quantum physics world that have yet to be proven as scientific fact. Well, isn't quantum physics at this stage just another offshoot theoretical science that actually has no basis in evidence? I don't think so. I mean, there are an awful lot of theories that have been accepted as scientific fact. And what's really interesting is that you have more and more scientists, quote unquote, Mm -hmm. writing books that take some of these um, basic discoveries and extrapolate them into the bigger picture. It's getting very imaginative out there. And what I see happening is the science fiction of yesterday is very slowly becoming the scientific fact of today and tomorrow. So, I mean, I have a very positive outlook, and I like the idea that there are other worlds out there, but I am also perfectly willing to accept that I am creating all of this stuff in my own mind. Maybe we're just part of a giant holographic play and we're being manipulated by outside sources. That's right. What did uh, Shakespeare say? All the world is a stage. Exactly. (laughs) I'd like to figure out who the director is. All right, Mary, please stand by. You and I have to take a commercial break with the news at the bottom of the hour. We'll be right back. Exo Nation, Marie D. Jones is our special guest. She has uh, co-authored with Larry Flaxman a new book, The Deja Vu Enigma. A Journey Through the Anomalies of Mind, Memory, and Time. www.mariedjones.com We'll be back on the other side of this break with the news as the Exxon continues on the Talkstar Radio Network, Exxon Broadcast Network, UK High Definition Radio, Euro High Definition Radio, and of course, Star Cable. Don't go away.
You're listening to the X-Zone Radio Show, live and around the world on the Talkstar Radio Network. X-Zone Broadcast Network. UK High Definition Radio. Euro High Definition Radio. And Star Cable. Our toll-free telephone number worldwide is 1-800-610-7035. Our email address, xzone at xzoneradiotv.com. On MSN Messenger, xzoneradiotv at hotmail.com. And our website, www. Nation Marie D. Jones is our special guest, along with uh, Larry Flaxman. She's written a book entitled The Deja Vu Enigma, The Journey Through the Anomalies of Mind, Memory, and Time. Marie, how would we explain that there are some people who see ghosts, there are some people who see UFOs, there are some people who have uh, psychic premonitions? And it seems to me, through the years I've been doing the show and talking to people, as well as researchers, that none of these traits seem to be interchangeable or multiple in different people. Why is it some people see ghosts, they don't see UFOs? Other people see UFOs, they don't see ghosts. And other people who see ghosts and UFOs have no psychic ability. That's a tough one. I mean, it could come down to timing, being in the right place at the right time. But I think it has more to do with our minds, our perception, and where we're at so to speak, in our consciousness. Mm -hmm. I think people who are interested in ghosts are going to have more of a tendency to have an experience in that arena rather than seeing Bigfoot or something. Um, I do know people that have had crossover experiences, but yeah, you're right. They seem to be few and far between. And again, I think this comes down to the power of perception, the power of belief, and what's going on in our subconscious. Because again, I've had people say to me, I don't believe in this stuff, Mm -hmm. and yet something happened to me. And I've had people say the exact reverse. I do believe in this stuff, but nothing ever happens. And I would question what's going on in their subconscious. Is it possible that the person who says, I don't believe in this stuff, but... Or or let me take the other example. The person who says, I believe in this stuff, but I haven't seen anything. Is it possible that that person has the ability to process the information of what they are seeing... And understand it to be a normal experience where the person who has not had the experience and sees something does not have the capability of processing the data that they are witnessing to put it into a realistic uh, realistic uh, occurrence. And they, because right. the parts of the information that they're not processing doesn't make sense to them, they put it in the realm of the paranormal. 
Exactly. Uh, and, and that harkens back to the story of the cargo, was the, the little island where they had cargo ships coming in, and they thought that these they were gods and that they were magic, the mm-hmm. islanders, because they had never seen modern ships before, yet someone who has would just say, oh, you know, that's a modern ship. And it's all a matter of perception. Remember, Michio Kaku, who's a theoretical physicist, said that if we ever saw something come into our three-dimensional world from, say, a fifth or sixth dimension, it would look like magic to us. Mm-hmm. And yet, on that side, it would be normal. So you're absolutely right. And I also think it's a matter of how, what information the brain will actually take in. You can have an experience where maybe your brain just says, I'm not going to take that information in and process it. It's not a part of my belief system. So it's all about the brain. It's about information mm-hmm. coming into the brain and what is being perceived and then processed. Here's where I have a problem with a lot of the physicists that are coming out with a multiple dimensional uh, theories. Is, is because if these multiple dimensions really did exist, from the beginning of time, how come they're only getting attention now? Something does not make sense here. It's like, all right, we, we've milked the third three dimensions as much as we can. We're going to add some more so we can milk some more stuff out of people and, you know, create a bigger illusion. It makes no sense because if there are 11 dimensions, like quantum physicists are saying, some are even saying 12, then the interaction between these different dimensions should not have only started now. They should have been continuing from the beginning of time, and it doesn't seem like they have. Well, to me, I think the exact opposite when I look at creation stories and origin myths and you look at um, the Dogon, you look at mm-hmm. the, the Blackfoot, they, they seem to have their own physics system or, or their own cosmology, and a lot of it parallels things that we're just now discovering. Is it their own in- cosmology or their own belief system because there were things that they could see that they couldn't, they couldn't explain, so they created their own uh, cosmology, and it has nothing well, sure. to do with quantum Absolutely. physics. Absolutely, but it's just strange how there are common themes that occur, common experiences that perhaps you're right, they didn't have the scientific language to mm-hmm. describe it, but it's just really interesting that they've had experiences that we understand as being similar. And and my thought is that we're not as smart as we think we are, mm-hmm. and it's taking us a long time. I mean, look what we're doing to our planet. Sure. It takes us a long time to get to the point where we truly understand the world around us. We still don't know what reality is. We still don't know if we have souls. We still don't know what happens to us after we die. You know, come on, it's 2000, what, right. 10. The, we the question, should know this stuff. The question, <laughs> is, the question here is, in all reality, do we need to know these things? Or is this a desire? It's a desire. So why don't why don't we why don't life would be so boring? No, it wouldn't. I I, disagree with you. I disagree with you. There are so many there are so many people that are hungry. There are so many people that are homeless. There are so many people that are unemployed. There are you know there is look at the natural disaster that happened that's happening right Right, now. Right, right. And yet you've got all these people who are wondering about. Geez. Do ghosts really exist? What is time all about? Are there 11 dimensions? Come on, get off the high cloud, get back down to reality, and let's solve the I problems on this agree. level that first. You can have a foot in both worlds. Exactly. But that drive and that desire is based on a need to feel that there's something more, more than this. That but what happens? Bigger. But is that really so important? Like, if we are alone, if there is nothing else, all this wandering, all this speculation isn't going to change a damn thing. 
I think it's important to the people that are pursuing it for their own personal reasons. I wouldn't judge them on it. Um, and, I, and it's interesting because I do know a lot of people in the paranormal mm-hmm. field that are very active in charities. And I think one of the reasons why that happens is because when you're look, trying to understand what happens mm-hmm. after you die, you become more aware of the life you're living now. And, and there's a real interesting kind of parallel going on that I think is great. There's a lot of paranormal groups that but, are but is, working is it, for charities uh, and trying to get out there and be active in the world. Oh, yet come they on. They're, ju- they're just doing it. They're just doing it for free publicity. Come on. Let, let's call, oh, a, let's call a spade a spade. <laughs> what the paranormal, well, wait, wait a sec. What the paranormal community is trying to do is to try and replace religion. And I think the paranormal community needs a rude awakening because they're trying to say religion is wrong. We've got a better idea of what's really going on. And this is what it is. No, I totally disagree. I think well, of there course you do. You're part of the you're that, part of the parallel no. community. You know, you're part of the paranormal community. Of course, you disagree and with me. I'm a very spiritual person. No, I, I know a lot of people that have very strong religious mm-hmm. beliefs that correspond with their interest in the paranormal. And I think you're generalizing. And there are people in the paranormal that just want to be rock stars. That's absolutely true. Mm-hmm. But there are a lot of people that just have a driving, compelling desire, such as Larry and I to try to understand some of the unknown enigmas that we sense and experience in our lives. But just and because... yet, at the same time, we apply a lot of what we're learning to the lives that we're living. It, it expands, it, it opens up the person, it... rather than living a very narrow Would life. you say that your lifestyle is based on the paranormal? Oh, absolutely not. In fact, I'm a science lover. I mm-hmm. mean, I could be happy writing. I'm a writer. I'm not... Somebody who is out there investigating ghosts. I'm a writer. I've written about volcanoes. I've mm-hmm. written about spirituality. I'm you know, going to be writing books about horse racing and all kinds of things. I love the paranormal because ever since I was a little girl, I had a very, very strong awareness that there was something else going on. Um, but it's not, I'm not as immersed in it as other people. That's why when people say, oh, you're a paranormal yeah. person, I say, wait, 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 wait. I'm a writer. <laughs> I've written about a lot of things. Um, but yeah, it's fascinating, and I think it adds to excitement to our lives, and it also builds community. So it's a place for people to belong. It's a club. Yeah, well, so is sports, you know. But it seems that if you can't fit into any other genre in life, you end up in the paranormal. Because oh, they accept gosh, all. I don't know about that. Oh, hey. I think you end up in politics. <laughs> no, 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 I, I disagree with you there. Because, you know, the I, I see the paranormal uh, these days. First of all, it's it's lost its focus. It has. It, it has truly lost its focus. And, and, you know, people now use it as, as, well, let's put it this way. The paranormal community is where the CB clubs used to be in the 60s. You know, you've got a bunch of people who have nothing better to do with their time. They join these little groups and away you go. There, you know, and, and there, there's so much animosity between paranormal groups. There's, there's no, there's no. Drama st- is rampant. And, it, and it's one of the reasons why I love being a writer, because I can take myself out of that. I can stay on the perimeter. Mm-hmm. I can write about what interests me. And yet I can also write about other things because I am really interested in earthquakes. I'm interested right. in natural sciences. I'm interested in, you know, what's going on in the world. And yeah, but Marie, um, you're the exception you're right, to the that, rule. 
Well, maybe, but I don't, I, you know, I and know some good people, but yeah, I would say the vast majority, and I have a real hard time saying this because I know that, you know, a lot of people don't really want to hear this, but mm-hmm. you're right. The vast majority are spinning their wheels. Yeah. They're on the bandwagon mm-hmm. and the bandwagon is breaking. It sure is. It's probably already broken. And what it's doing, it's adding a lot of, uh, a lot of doubt to those people who at one time used to take the paranormal seriously. It is. That's a bad uh, thing about getting a lot of media attention mm-hmm. with all these TV shows is that when you mainstream something, you lose a certain credibility. You think that by mainstreaming it, oh, you're going to reach more people, get more people involved, more people doing research. But sometimes the exact opposite happens. And the popularization of the paranormal is exactly what's taking it down. Um, and I agree, and I don't really know how to stop it, except to continue doing what I do and you know, hope that it sort of works itself out. Because I've seen trends come and go. I remember when UFOs were all the rage. Mm-hmm. And, and then the people, you know, fell off the bandwagon and went on and did other things. But the serious people were still going, and they are still going today. And yet there is no proof of the existence of UFOs. Absolutely. We, you know, human beings, we are strange creatures. Oh, I'll say. <laughs> we really are. And again, that's why I wanted to write a book about the mind. It's like if we don't understand ourselves, there's no way we're ever going to figure this other mm-hmm. stuff out. Tell me, what can we learn from the ancient philosophers? They had the same debates that we did. They wanted to understand if the brain and the mind, or the brain and consciousness, and they use these terms interchangeably, were the same thing. They had the same experiences and sensations that made them question Mm -hmm. whether everything that was happening to them physically was all there is, whether it was being generated from their minds out into the world or projected from out in the world into their minds or a little bit of both. And so a lot of the arguments of old are still going on today, but maybe with different terminology. You know, again, we're, we're getting more scientific knowledge and yet i have to say rob that how do we know that even scientific fact is really we don't we don't no we we just say well let's accept this as fact but we don't know the truth could be the exact opposite of everything well we 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 know we know for a fact we know for a fact that history historians lie to us archaeologists lie to us paleontologists lie to us you know so why would the scientific community be any different well, again, I think you've got to kind of use discernment and maybe gut instinct and yeah. intuition to look at the material and really seek knowledge in every corner, not just in the mainstream scientific community, and then decide what feels right. And you know what? That's probably the only thing we can do. We may never know the truth, but it's not going to stop us from searching for it. But how do we know what we're searching for? In order to, to search for something, we have to know what it is we're searching for. And it seems that no matter who you talk to, nobody knows what the hell they're looking for. They're just looking for something. Yeah, we're, we're blindlessly walking. I think that you, well, maybe not everybody, but for me, because I can only speak from personal experience, sure. I'm looking for what resonates. I'm, and I love that word, resonance. I'm looking for what my heart and, my, and I know this mm-hmm. sounds kind of woo-woo, but it's really not. When I get uh, intellectual stuff, I, you know, often doesn't jive with me on a more vibrational scale, I guess you could say. I'm looking for the truths that resonate enough with me where I can say, okay, you know, I accept that for now. I may not know everything, but that feels 
right. Uh, and, and that's me. Other mm-hmm. people may need that intellectual proof. They may have to have the scientific stamp of approval on it. For me, it's more of a feeling or a sensation or a discernment. Right. You and I have to take our final break. Please stand by. Marie D. Jones is our special guest. Along with Larry Flaxman, she's written The Deja Vu Enigma. A Journey Through the Anomalies of Mind, Memory, and Time. Her website is www.mariedjones.com. That's www.mariedjones.com. And we'll be back on the other side of this commercial break as the Exxon continues from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. 1-800-610-7035, toll-free worldwide. Email exxon at exxonradiotv.com. On MSN Messenger, exxonradiotv at hotmail.com. Exonation Marie D. Jones is the co-author with Larry Flaxman of The Deja Vu Enigma, A Journey Through the Anomalies of Mind, Memory, and Time. Her website is www.mariedjones.com. Marie, in your book, did you touch did you touch on missing time? And if so, what did you come up with? We did touch on missing time because interestingly, both Larry and I have had missing time experiences. Mm-hmm. And again, are we talking about a memory glitch? Are we, why are we able to have two, three hours chunk of time where we are completely blacked out, so to speak? And yet, in my case, I was still able, able to navigate driving the L.A. freeways. So there's some, something going on where the brain is able to shut down in a sense. Well, I, I thought we, when you're driving and you lose time, that's called highway hypnosis, and that's a very common phenomenon. Absolutely. and But what it shows you is how we can go on autopilot in mm-hmm. one sense, and yet we're, you know, something in us is still able to function and not get us killed. And a lot of people have missing time experiences, and they claim you know, that they may have had an abduction experience or something. Larry and I don't have any idea what happened to us during the two, three hours. Um, and I never felt the need to find out. But what I thought was very interesting is that when it happened, I stopped at one point on the freeway and I came to two hours later, you know, going in a completely different direction. And the time in between was nothing but black to me. I had no remembrance of passing any kind of landmarks or having somebody honk at me or anything. So again, it just fascinates me that the brain can shut down in a sense, and yet we still are able to operate as human beings. Tell me, during your research, have did you ever come across two people who were in, let's say, the same vehicle who had missing time at the same time? Absolutely. And most of those cases seem to involve the UFO enigma and mm. the the alien abduction theory that Uh people are sometimes taken quote unquote together or in groups 
and sometimes individually. And that was the only time that we saw that kind of thing, that sort of multiple missing time experiences. Hey, Marie, Otherwise, we... it just seems to be a very indiv- individualized experience. Marie, you and I have got to say so long for now. It's always a great pleasure talking to you. Congratulations on another great book. Give my best to Larry. And, I will. And um, what's your next book going to be about? The next one's interesting. It's called The Trinity Secret, The mm-hmm. Power of Three and the Code of Creation. I've got to tell you something. All your books are interesting. I like to ask questions. Even if I don't come up with answers, I think the fun is in asking the questions. And you do a great job at that, my friend. Marie, always a great pleasure talking to you. Continued success. Give, give my best to your dad, and I look forward to the next time you and I meet here in the X-Zone. So do I, Rob. Thank you so much. Take care, my dear friend. X-Zone Nation, Marie D. Jones has been our guest this hour. www.mariedjones.com She's the author with Larry Flaxman of The Deja Vu Enigma. Once again, www.mariedjones.com I'll be back on the other side of the news at six and a half minutes past the top of the hour as the Exxon continues right here from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. My name's Rob McConnell. Back at six and a half minutes past. Speak to you then. Great news. For a limited time, you can get one month free of Spectrum Mobile service. That's right. One month free with any new line. This exclusive offer is only available at select Spectrum stores. So stop by today. Our team of mobile experts are ready to help you switch and save hundreds on your mobile bill. Don't miss out on this incredible offer. Come see us at Market at Hilliard, Taylor Square, and Waterloo Crossing. Spectrum internet and auto pay required. Restrictions apply. Visit store for details.